Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Kevin J. Anderson with us, a noted author, 170-plus books, including Dune and Stake, Vampire Hunter, or Serial Killer. He has written numerous novels in the Star Wars, X-Files, and Dune universes, as well as unique fantasy novels as well. He has edited numerous anthologies, written comics, games, and lyrics for a couple, two rock CDs. He's the director of the graduate program in publishing at Western Colorado University. Kevin and his wife, Rebecca, are also publishers of the Word Fire Press. This is his first time on Coast to Coast. Kevin, welcome to the program. Looking forward to chatting with you. Oh, thank you, George. I'm so glad to be on. You have such a fascinating show, so I'm I'm thrilled to be here. And and you know we can talk about a million different things, which I think is what your listeners want. Absolutely. How did you get started doing all of this? Well, you know, I wanted to be a writer since I was like five years old, and and we'll get into this in a bit. But I watched the the Martian invasion movie War of the Worlds when I was just a little kid, uh-huh. and that just it just consume my imagination. It just as a little kid, wide-eyed little kid watching this thing and the, the Martians and the heat rays and, and taking over the whole world and cities falling. <laughs> and and uh, what are you going to do? No, we can't. We, I mean, the atomic bomb doesn't stop them and the army doesn't stop them. But, you know, the spoiler alert, but the thing was written in 1897, so it's not like it's too much. But um, so, so, like, germs, you, uh, germs on Earth kill the Martians because they're they're so advanced they don't have any immunity to our our common cold or, or COVID I guess today that's right but um, but that thing when I was five years old it just like like I, I wanted to tell stories like that I wanted to read stories like that and and I in fact I, I was so inspired by that movie I, I took like a little scrapbook of uh, paper from beside the telephone and I wanted to write stories, but I couldn't write because I was five years old. I didn't know how to read yet, so I drew pictures, and I laid them out on the floor, and I would stand there and tell my little story to, to anybody who would come by. And, and so I was a writer when I was five years old, even though it was in, in pictures instead. That's great. Isn't it, isn't it marvelous how our youth forms our foundation when we get older? I wanted to be a broadcaster when I was 10, 11 years old and chase down UFO stories. And uh, who would think, right? And we're doing what we love, and we're making a living at it. How about that? Absolutely. We really are. But don't tell them we do it for free. If we well, no, we don't want to do that. But but we, we never work a day in our lives because we're loving what we're doing. It's fun times. It's fun times. Your work has been fantastic, by the way. Well, and I, I just, my imagination is, I, I spend all my time just making up fantasy worlds or science fiction worlds and starships and and convoluted plots and interesting characters that I do terrible things to and and you know that that's my job as a writer and and I enjoy my imaginary friends and and I'm just glad that I have so many readers that that uh, keep reading them so that I can keep doing what I like to do. Kevin, sometimes it seems that science fiction happens to be years ahead of reality and sometimes I've wondered if government officials or people in the know kind of feed Hollywood or people like that, with information so they can turn them into movies and things like that. What do you think? Hmm. Well, you know, Hollywood's always looking for ideas. They keep, they keep running around and mining it. And, and as a writer, I have to spend all this time just you know, reading websites and reading science news and, read, and keeping up on things so that when I try to write a science fiction story, it's not outdated by the time it gets published. 
and and there are so many things that were considered like super duper high tech when they came out now just kind of seem laughable if you remember like star trek communicators well like they're like our old flip phones we had 15 years ago and and i mean i remember like in in star trek captain kirk and mr spock would sit at the table and they'd say computer tell us the the birth date of napoleon and the thing would chug and chug and finally the machine voice would, would announce it after five seconds well of course we've got way better than that in our our iphones and and my car knows where it's going half the time. And then you've got Alexa, right? And, and you've got Alexa. And, and, you know, when I used to actually have maps in my car, and I would look at where I was supposed to go before I got in the car. And you're, you're in L.A., George. Think about the Thomas Brothers guides. We always had oh my God, California yeah. maps with all of our streets. And, and we had to know where we were going. Now we just, like, let the phone tell us, turn right, turn left, and uh, which is good unless the computer's, deciding they don't like us and want us to drive off a cliff or something. Thank God for satellites, huh? Yeah, well, I mean, I, if, if I understand it right, that uh, a long time ago, this whole Iridium, was it Iridium, I think, satellite network that was that the government had mm-hmm. up there, they were about to like, just let it shut down because nobody was using them, but instead they picked it up to use it as like GPS stuff, and, and that's what we're using now. It's, it's, our lives depend on that, or our convenience does at least. Remember the Dick Tracy watches? Oh, they, well, I think my wife has one of those. I, I, I here we are. Them. Yeah, I mean, what would make science fiction though so far ahead of reality before these things all happened? Well, and that—that's one of the things. If you try to write a story, and I write stories that are kind of like the, the Expanse, or I do with with Dune, which the movie's coming out next month. I think a lot of people might have seen commercials for it, but I write in that universe. And they are like 10,000 years in the future, 15,000 years in the future. And I think, realistically, we'll be so advanced. And, I mean, our, our bodies might be so advanced, our minds might be so advanced, we'll be, our, like, our minds might be connected with artificial intelligence so that we've got double the, the mental power or whatever. You couldn't tell a realistic story of 15,000 years in the future because nobody would even recognize it. You have to write a story that the readers can grasp and, and, and see what's going on. That's right. And so you try to tell a story that's relevant to today, but make people think that, that it's far in the future or far across the universe. But it makes their imaginations expand, and that's what my most exciting thing is, to get people thinking of new ideas. And, and see, a science fiction book is a big thought experiment. I get to say, what if, and then tell the whole story about the consequences. And that can be a warning, it can be a happy ending, it can be a, a political statement, and science fiction gives you all of those tools to do it with. What did you think of the movie Independence Day? Oh, and I, I thought it was one of the best invasion movies. It was sort of like an update of War of the Worlds, really. And, of course, that one had such a, uh, and a positive effect on me. But I thought it was an extremely well-crafted movie. The, the, the acting was great, the characters were interesting, the pacing was great. The surprises were great. Um, and I, it, it's one of my favorite movies. I really enjoy it. I loved Randy Quaid in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the well, last little scene when he dives in and makes his little uh, final sign-off stuff. But, right. um, and and the, the opening scenes, I mean, now you're making me want to watch the movie again. I've seen it, like, so many times, but it's been a while. Oh, it's great. Just those opening scenes of the shadow of the UFO, sh- uh, or the mothership, just kind of 
creeping over um, Hovering. The Apollo yeah. uh, Memorial on the moon and then creeping over the skyscrapers in, in the U.S. That was like, like that wasn't even big special effects, but it was really creepy and it gave you this ominous sense of just how bad and powerful these aliens were. And, and you know, if you're going to send an invasion force, you've got to send big ships. That's right. Absolutely. And they, the way they went all over the planet and over the major cities was something else, too, wasn't it? Well, and it was interesting at the time because, you know, so many, so many uh, books and movies are made in America, so we seem like, like um, an invasion is going to just hit New York and Washington, D.C., but there is an entire planet here, so it's good that they, they um, showed it expansive so that the invasion was genu- genuinely across the entire world. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.